This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and tonight I'm flying the show solo. Federico and I had a scheduling conflict that we couldn't quite resolve in time for the show, and one of the options was to leave the show a week, but we didn't want to leave you too long. So we decided that I would do this show by myself, because this is a topic that Federico felt he didn't have very much to say about anyway, uh, and I thought we would just uh, go through it so you guys could have a show for this week. So the topic tonight is uh, presenting with iOS. And we'll come back to, we were in the middle of two shows about uh, email on iOS, and we were going to do third-party email clients. We will come back to that show. But tonight we're going to talk about presenting with iOS. And, you know, iOS devices make great travel companions. When I was uh, an early road warrior, if you like, in the days of the 17-inch PowerBook G4 and things like that, I, I was in love with the idea of something lighter because, my goodness, that was a heavy computer. You know, the, I think the power supply for that computer probably weighed more than the iPad Pro weighs today. But leaving home with just, you know, a tiny light bag to attend a meeting or a conference is, is kind of a dream that road warriors have had since the dawn of laptops. And, of course, laptops have gotten lighter over time as well. But there's just something about going out with a tiny little bag, not too much stuff with you, no power adapter or all these things, and just getting out there to do your presentation, do your thing, and then go back is is something I've always dreamed about. And I suppose the question that many of you will have is, you know, does iOS really deliver everything you need to make and deliver presentations on the road? And particularly presentations where your kind of reputation depends on it, because presentations can be, you know, real make or break opportunities in your in your life and in your career. And I know for myself, a number of years ago, I kind of made the jump into iOS-only presenting, and I've been doing it for a long time now. So uh, hopefully I can give you some of the the benefit of my experience. I mean, I I create and deliver a lot of presentations in my life. I'm a teacher, uh, and I'm responsible for uh, a large part of my school. And while while I don't PowerPoint the kids in my class to death every day, presentation software can be a useful tool in the classroom, particularly when you can use animations and builds to illustrate a concept for pupils, that, that can be really useful. I also have to present to my staff and to parents on a regular basis. And I also present at conferences and, and other schools. Um, because our school is a one-to-one iPad school, and we have been that way for six years now, a lot of other schools and other organizations actually hire me to go and speak to them uh, and show them what we've done and coach them in trying to do a similar kind of thing. Uh, and that's another situation where you know people have literally paid me money to be there and to present and to deliver information to them. And that's something that I do exclusively on iOS because I always feel that, you know, if I'm going to be the guy who's going there talking to these people about iOS being a powerful tool and a, a, a platform that you can deploy in your school, and I rock up and present from a MacBook Pro, the medium's not really the message in that situation, is it? So uh, that's why I... In the early days, I decided I was going to present from iOS uh, as soon as I could. And in the beginning, it was really a case of I would make the presentations on my Mac and deliver them on iOS. So I was kind of faking it a little bit. But for the past, I would say, hmm, maybe two years, uh, maybe a little bit longer, I have been both creating and delivering my presentations on iOS. And I, I have, you know folders and folders full of presentations that that have only ever been on iOS. They've never been on a Mac. They've never been edited on a Mac. They've never been delivered on a Mac. 
and, and iOS, particularly on the iPad Pro, is now my platform for creating and building presentations to a, what I think is a very professional standard. You may, you may or may not disagree, but it's certainly a standard that's good enough to impress many audiences, and it's good enough to get me hired and rehired by people that I go and speak to from time to time. So enough about my background with Keynote. Uh, let's dig into, firstly, the question of how can you create presentations on iOS? And I suppose that there are really the, the big two conventional presentation tools for iOS. Keynote, as we know, you know, the one that was built for Steve Jobs back in the day on the Mac and uh, was one of the one of the launch applications. It, Keynote was demonstrated in the same event as the iPad was announced back in 2010. And of course, we now have PowerPoint as well on iOS. And, and PowerPoint is a is a powerful tool. Um, I think in some ways it's, it's quite a lot weaker than Keynote, but it has a certain number of strengths as well, and we'll, we'll talk about both of those. And then, of course, there are sort of alternatives as well, uh, and there's no end of content creation tools in iOS, as you know. But we also have Google Slides, which we'll mention briefly, uh, tools like Prezi, and of course there are such creative tools in iOS that you can use alternative techniques such as using uh, Paper by 53, to present, I did that once in a in a sort of desperate pinch uh, conference where I was really stuck for an idea. I drew my slides by hand using Paper by Fifty Three, and presented with that. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how I did that as well. So, to really answer the first question first, I suppose you know, can you really create presentations in iOS? Absolutely, yes. Uh, there are some features that are missing compared to the desktop versions of each of the apps, PowerPoint and Keynote. But there's more than enough to make what I would describe as a basic to above intermediate presentation. It's probably true that you couldn't make, you know, you can imagine very, very, very specialized use cases where, you know, if you are the on the extreme upper 1% of Keynote masters, if you like, you may find yourself frustrated by some of the things you can't do in iOS. But for most people's use, most of the time, in most situations, for most kind of presentations, Keynote on iOS absolutely delivers. PowerPoint does too. I'm not so familiar with PowerPoint, but I have used it in, in a sort of limited way, and I'll talk about some of my observations with PowerPoint on iOS as well. One of the things that has really opened up the the, uh, the whole practice of, of creating, researching and creating presentations on iOS is, has been split view on the iPad. And my favorite way to work is initially what I'll tend to do is I'll use Safari and Notability together. You have the Apple Pencil in my hand, I've got Notability on the right-hand side of the screen, Safari on the left, and I'm making the notes that are going to form the backbone of my presentation. And then I'll flip that over and I'll bring in sometimes uh, Keynote and Notability together and I'll build out the kind of backbone of the presentation, the slides, the titles, the ordering, what I'm going to put in there. And then I'll bring Safari back in again and I'll be reading, maybe I'll be grabbing photographs that are going to go into a presentation, uh, clipping little quotes from uh, web pages and so on. And just, and just basically assembling it, doing the kind of paste-up job that you do uh, once you've kind of got the story right and you've got everything that you need to do correct, uh, putting it together in Keynote. And that's, that's kind of how I work. That's my process for most of the things that I do uh, with Keynote uh, on iOS. 
I think for me, some of the great strengths of Keynote are things to do with the visuals. Uh, there are a, a number of very refined templates that are available in Keynote. I, I find them very attractive, some of them. Uh, and Apple's delivering new ones every so often as, as Keynote gets updated. As you would expect, the one of the great strengths of Keynote is that it's just a great iOS citizen. You know, it supports split view, supports multitasking, uh, it, it supports the share sheet and all the things that we, we always talk about in this show as being uh, things that are desirable in an iOS app. Another feature that people maybe don't know about Keynote is that it has a built-in remote control. And there used to be an app in, in the early days of Keynote, there was an app called Keynote Remote, which was an iPhone app that you would sort of buy and use as a companion to Keynote. And a few releases ago, that was discontinued. And that it was essentially absorbed into Keynote itself. Now, how does this work? Well, the idea is that you have Keynote installed on your iPad and Keynote installed on your iPhone. And in the tool menu, there's a presenter remote button. And you can go in there and you can basically pair up your iPhone and your iPad over Bluetooth. And your the Keynote on your iPhone takes on a different persona, if you like, the interface changes. And you get a, a slide preview which you can swipe back and forward uh, and you can see presenter notes on your phone while the presentation plays on your iPad. So essentially the same app, depending whether it's working in the in the remote control mode or in the controller mode, uh, can, can act as a sort of comprehensive suite of tools. Now, I have an iPhone 6 Plus and I will honestly say that that phone is a little big to comfortably use as a remote control clicker for your presentation, but I do. And it definitely gets the job done overall. Another thing that I use, and I use this in school quite a lot, and I know that it's used in some software companies where they design uh, interfaces for iOS applications, is that Keynote supports built-in hyperlinked navigation. And this is the idea that you can take any shape or photograph that you put uh, on a slide and you can turn it into a hyperlink. And the obvious use for the hyperlink is to link to a web page and it will jump you, as you're presenting, it will jump you from, from Keynote into Safari and open up the web page. But you can also use this feature to navigate around your presentation as well. So you can do the basic thing of making forward and back buttons if your presentation is to be used in a sort of standalone kiosk format. Or you can also use it to jump to specific slides. And I've used this in, in school with, with school kids to teach sort of information design and, and um, information architecture, if you like, uh, and a little bit of interface design as well. Because what I've asked students to do is to imagine that you're building a kiosk, say for a touchscreen exhibit in a museum. I'd have them pick a topic and then I'd have them lay all the slides and all the content they need and build the hyperlinks between them and so on and so on to the point where the, their deliverable in that project was to was a keynote file that I could just play and people could walk up and use, and we'd do some. I got some phenomenal pieces of work with that, and that was that's another thing you can do with keynote that most people don't appreciate. You can actually use it to make standalone interactive products, if you like, almost in the style of the old hypercard, if you remember that from the old Mac days. Um, that, that's a good fun thing to do with with uh, keynote as well. Big, big strength of Keynote as well on iOS is, is native support for charts and chart builds. And this is something I was surprised to find wasn't in PowerPoint. Uh, I, I guess they assume that you're, you're going to use Excel for your charts or something like that. But one of the things that I like to do when I'm teaching with Keynote is to use a chart build where I'll put up the axes of the chart and be one 
value in the data set and I'll ask the kids to predict where the data is going to go next and then reveal the next bar in the chart and the next bar and so on. So being able to do some of those sophisticated builds on charts uh, and on tables is, is a very good feature of Keynote. And finally, the, the last thing that I think Keynote is particularly strong for is uh, ordering complex builds. So what I mean by that is if you have a slide that maybe has 5, 10, 12 objects on it and they're all building in at different times, uh, if you have to change the order of those builds, there is actually a very simple inspector for doing that in Keynote. So you have different ways of dealing with this. Uh, you can just create the builds in the right order, but if you have to change something, that can often get out of sync. So there is, in fact, a tool in Keynote where if you go into the the animation mode, which is a button you can press, and Keynote gets this kind of blue toolbar at the top to show that it's in a special mode where you're editing animations rather than editing actual objects, then you can actually reorder all the builds on the slide just by dragging them up and down in a table, which is something that uh, is, is very strong and very useful if you're developing a presentation over a long period of time and you're not exactly sure how it's going to go just as you're, as you're starting to work with it. So those are some of the, the great strengths of Keynote, I suppose. Um, those are mostly the things I kind of work with and, and use in Keynote. And, and I think uh, most people, most of the time, will find that Keynote on iOS is actually fine for what you need to do. Uh, particularly when you, you can have Safari and Keynote up at the same time. That's a, a, a real strength of, of iOS at the moment, I think, too. PowerPoint is... Of course, you know, a relatively recent addition to the platform. And I suppose what's true of all the Microsoft applications on iOS is that their great strength is that they're the Microsoft applications on iOS. That if you are sent a PowerPoint file, you can open it in PowerPoint and iOS and you will get what that file is supposed to look like, as opposed to opening it in Keynote and having it go through Apple's translation step into the Keynote format, and then having some questions about whether or not this presentation is actually looking like what it's supposed to look like. This is always one of the difficulties. Uh, having the legit PowerPoint engine right on your iPad is, is a, real, a real strength of that application. And that's why it's worth having it installed, even if you're not necessarily going to pay for a a paid subscription to Office 365, for example. There's some things that PowerPoint can do that Keynote can't do on iOS. And there's a, and two examples that I, I pull out here are uh, applying a new theme to the whole presentation. Now, Keynote can apply a theme to your presentation, but only at creation time. So you have to be careful to choose the right theme before you, uh, before you pile into making it. And it's something that can be a bit of a showstopper still with Keynote on iOS is that let's say you get halfway through your presentation and your boss says, no, nah, I want it to look like this other thing. Well, you're kind of stuck and you, your only option is to sort of restart making your presentation uh, by starting with a new template. Whereas PowerPoint can actually apply a whole new design template on the fly to your entire presentation, which is, uh, is really nice. One other thing that I found uh, that was possible in PowerPoint that's not possible in Keynote is applying sort of animated actions to shapes during the build. So in, in Keynote on the Mac, you can animate something onto the slide, you can animate it off the slide, and you can animate it to move around while it's on the slide. And Keynote for iOS supports building in and building out, but not doing any actions on the slide. I believe if you sync over a file that has got those actions in it, 
it will actually play them, but you can't create them on iOS or edit them on iOS by itself. PowerPoint actually does support both build-in, build-out, and the animations of objects while they're on the slide as well. So that's something else that's possible in there. And of course, the big feature that all of the Microsoft applications have is Apple Pencil support for drawing on top of the document. Keynote does sort of support Apple Pencil in a little bit in that you can draw on the slide while it's being presented, but you can't mark up a document while it's not being presented. And those, uh, those annotations that you make on Keynote slides while you're presenting, those are not saved anywhere. They're essentially ephemeral. They're, they're lost as soon as, you, uh, as soon as you finish presenting. And I use that in school sometimes when I'm, I've got a slide up and I want to emphasize something that I put on the slide. I can actually just draw on it with the Apple Pencil, but those, those drawings are not captured in the way that they're captured on Keynote. So there's pluses and minuses to both. Uh, one other plus, I suppose, for Keynote is that it comes free with your iPad. And yes, the Office apps are free to download, but licensing is a little more complex for Office. And... The, and to understand that um, you have to sort of understand that they're they're breaking down the licensing by device class. So you have to have a free, to do anything except look at documents, you have to have a free Office 365 account, not a paid one, but a free account, but you do have to have the account in order to create new documents. However, if you have an iPad Pro, you need to have a paid Office 365 subscription. So even a 9.7-inch iPad falls into that free tier, but the iPad Pro is something you have to pay to have an Office 365 subscription on. If you're using a free account, some features are restricted, not too many, but a couple of things you can't do in any of the Microsoft apps unless you have a paid account, but they're not. I wouldn't say they were particularly the things that most people are going to want to do. On the Microsoft side, of course, uh, they've got their own cloud service, Microsoft OneDrive. I'm not personally a huge fan. I, I find it to be um, quite sticky and quite uh, obstructive in the way it operates compared to either iCloud Drive or Google Drive, which is my my usual cloud service. But Microsoft have, of course, partnered with Dropbox as well. So you now have native Dropbox integration inside of the Office document, uh, the Office applications. And that's quite powerful. Uh, and, and quite workable. And I've been using that in school for a couple of purposes as well. So uh, Dropbox might be your preferred cloud storage solution if you're going to go down the Microsoft Office apps route. So let's talk about some other alternatives in there. Uh, there are, there's of course Google Slides. Google Slides, like most of the Google apps, is missing a lot of basics, particularly on iPad I mean, or on iOS. It's, it's basic enough on the desktop or on a Chromebook, but it's even more basic on iOS. And the thing about the Google Apps is they always have this amazing pony trick of being able to live edit with other users. And if you need that feature, there's just no other game in town. And it's really worth, I mean, and genuinely is worth giving up all the other things you have to give up in order to get that feature. And we, use, we are a Google Apps school, that's cool. And we use Google Slides from time to time. We have a what we call a post-mortem meeting every year about the courses that have just finished. And what we do there just to sort of make the meeting run smoother is to, I'll create a Google Slides sheet or uh, presentation and I'll put up uh, an individual slide for each class or each teacher 
and I'll share it with all the teachers and I'll say, right, could you just put in your thoughts on your slide? And then when we run the meeting, we don't have to keep, you know, having everybody put their slides up so they can show us. We just go step by step by step. Uh, and it's really nice because there's no edit conflicts. There's no, there's no pain. It's just, you know, you get there and everybody's already done their slides and it's great. Other tools, the the other one that sometimes people use, I don't know if this is just a kind of teacher thing, uh, and it might be, but there's a, a tool called Prezi, which went through a period of extreme popularity at educational conferences. Uh, I hadn't really seen it in many other places, but teachers seem to fall in love with Prezi. And this is P-R-E-Z-I. And Prezi is a kind of um, un-PowerPoint kind of application, if you like. And what it is, is basically you get a kind of large canvas that you can zoom into and you can create a path through different things you've placed on the canvas. And when you play your Prezi, it sort of swoops around and zooms into different areas and zooms out and zooms back in and so on. I, I have actually experienced motion sickness watching people's Prezis. Uh, and I, I'm not a crazy fan of it. I think it's, I've seen it done very, very well. And I've seen it done atrociously badly. I suppose that's true of most kinds of presentation software, isn't it? But when Prezi's bad, it's really bad. Uh, and there, there is no floor below which you cannot fall when using Prezi in terms of taste and style. Um, I've seen it done brilliantly well. I was at a presentation a number of years ago where I was speaking and then a woman spoke uh, just after me where she had actually worked with an artist to design a kind of sketch note style um, or a sort of poster of her whole presentation. And she used Prezi very effectively just to uh, give us kind of the overview of the whole thing that had been drawn. And then she would zoom in like right into one tiny little part and there was much more detail in there. And she would talk for a section about the things that were in this area. And then she'd zoom back out and zoom into another area. And, and the actual zooming motion that she used in Prezi was very, very restrained. And that's what made it so great. Whereas... Uh, other people are just like, wow, look how far we can zoom. Pew, pew, pew. And it just, it can make people genuinely feel very, very unwell. Particularly if you're presenting with a large screen uh, of the sort of Steve Jobs, WWDC style, huge big display behind you. If you ever get uh, a good fortune to use one of them, just be careful how swoopy you make your Prezi. Otherwise you can make people feel pretty sick. But on iOS, the, the, there is a Prezi player. So if you make a Prezi document, you can play it back on iOS and it seems to more or less do what you need to do there. But um, there isn't a full editor for Prezi presentations on iOS. There is a, a light editor um, and the light editor enables you to uh, add a few things, but it doesn't. it's not strong enough to create a whole Prezi presentation from scratch on iOS. I told you I would talk a little bit about my a uh, paper by 53 experience. Now, I am no artist. I will be the first to admit that. But uh, once I was I was to give a presentation at a kind of general interest tech conference about iPad and education, and I was really stuck for something to talk about. I wasn't, I just couldn't quite get together in my head what it was that uh, the audience would want to hear, what it was, how could I interpret the sort of educational aspects of what we do, for a, a more general audience, if you like. And I was just, I was on holiday the week before I had to give the presentation and I was just sitting there thinking, what am I going to do here? So I just opened paper by 53 and I just started sort of sketching out shapes that would help me try and explain what it was I wanted to do here. 
And eventually, just over the course of maybe an hour or so, it started to evolve into an actual presentation. And I'd sketched out, you know, 10 or 15 slides. And I thought, wait a minute, what if I, what if I just do this? And I actually just use this as my presentation. So I, I kind of tidied up a few things and uh, made it better and, and completed the whole thing, put in an opening, put in a closing and so on. And it went down a storm. It, it was hugely popular. People absolutely loved it. Uh, I, felt, I felt amazing because as I, I could say, I honestly, I drew this whole thing and, and people were like, oh, you, you must be a great artist. I was like, no, I've actually just got a great app behind me that, that worked really well. So Paper by 53, I, I actually used the paper app to present. I didn't, I didn't save them all as images and then put them into Keynote. Uh, and what that meant was that instead of having a remote clicker, I had to sort of hold the iPad in my hands and I had to just sort of flip through the paper by 53 as a kind of notebook metaphor. Uh, and that was actually really effective because it was kind of, it gave the audience the experience like I was kind of turning the pages of a book with them and telling them a story and, and people seemed to really respond to that. And of course, there are many other applications on iOS that you could do similar things with. Like you could imagine even using an app like Notability to sort of sketch or write or draw your presentation if you've got that kind of skill um, to actually sketch or draw it live in front of the audience. Uh, I would not have the confidence to do that myself or the ability, but if you are an artistic kind of person, you could actually do that quite comfortably on an iPad Pro with Apple Pencil. You could do that right in front of the audience, and I'm sure it would be it, it would be very fresh and different. And in many ways, sometimes what you're looking for is fresh and different when it comes to presentations, uh, because we've seen a lot of presentations in our lives, you know, by by the age of 21, I, I, I dread to think exactly how many hours the average Western child has spent watching to watching and listening to presentations. Uh, I'm sure it's probably <laughs> probably about as much time as they spend what playing video games or something like that. So those are some of the options, right? We have, there's five five big options there. Of course, Keynote and PowerPoint are the big two. We've got Google Slides, we've got Prezi, um, and we've got alternatives like Paper by 53 or, or pre essentially pressing any kind of creative app into service as a presentation tool. Now, the question is, how do we get what we can see or create on our iPad screen onto a bigger screen so that other people in the room can see it? And of course, as iOS devices have gotten bigger, one option is literally just to present from your device's screen. Now, of course, that's not going to fly in, in an auditorium of hundreds or thousands of people, but I, I have literally been presented to one-to-one -to -one by somebody on their iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, and that's happened. You know, people have pulled up, uh, not very often, but somebody, you know, one, one time somebody came to the school and, and they sat beside me and they... They said, I'm going to show you this presentation. I was like, well, we're not in a room with a presentation kit, so how are we going to do this? So he came and sat down beside me and pulled out his phone and just started doing his presentation right on his iPhone 6 Plus, which uh, it was fine, actually. It was, it was kind of cool, kind of fun. But, of course, the iPad Pro, if you, you could maybe, if you had a group of, you know, four or five people around a table, you might actually be able to use the iPad Pro just, just to present directly in that might be sort of a little bit more intimate. Feels a bit salesy to me. Um, it's the kind of thing, you know, if you've ever had uh, double glazing salesmen come into your house and try and sell you their products or solar panel salesmen, uh, they, they're quite often into, you know, getting their gigantic HP laptop out on your desk uh, and giving you a presentation 
when you could much more quickly just read you know, one piece of paper if they would just give it to you. But of course, in the, in a more traditional presentation setting, we need to get our iOS device onto a much larger display. And of course, the uh, <laughs> one of the big knocks against the iPad in the early days was that it didn't have a VGA port. I mean, can you imagine having a VGA port on your iPad today? Um, we have the lightning port, of course, and we have radios. And those are the two ways that you can get your iPad screen up and onto uh, a projector or a large television screen. And I, when I present, I travel with both the lightning to VGA adapter and the lightning to HDMI adapter, which Apple make. I believe you can get third-party versions of these as well, but I would... This is one of these things where I don't always have confidence in a knockoff brand to get this right, because this is a technically quite complicated thing to do, I suppose, and particularly when it comes to the lightning port. So um, I travel with both of those, just because increasingly I'm being offered an HDMI connection into um, some kind of presentation system. And of course, the big benefit to HDMI is that the HDMI cable carries both audio and video together. So you don't have, when you have VGA, you've got to plug in the VGA adapter and cable into the lightning port, and then you've got to find a mini jack and plug that into your headphone port. And, you know, that can, it's not usually a problem, but it's, it's less elegant and it's, it feels a bit less reliable to me sometimes. Quite often those mini jack cables are quite crackly and um, don't, don't quite feel as nice uh, or as confidence inspiring. And that's what you want as a presenter is to feel confident in the system you're using to present. So it's always my strong recommendation and my preference to physically wire into whatever it is you're going to present on. Uh, that's particularly in, in important situations. I would not like to rely on this other thing we're going to talk about, which is Apple TV. Now, we get a lot of experience with Apple TV in school. We have uh, nine or ten Apple TVs in school, and my professional recommendation as a professional presenter is never use an Apple TV. Uh, folks at Apple are going to hate me for saying this, but I really... Um, Apple TV is great in the classroom, right? Because the classroom is a kind of low-pressure environment, and it, it's not the end of your career if you have to take a second to re reconnect your iPad to the Apple TV. What's wrong with the Apple TV is that in complex network situations, um, AirPlay can be a little bit unreliable. Well, a little bit to a lot unreliable. Um, more recent versions of Apple TV, more recent versions of iOS have gotten better, but if I was giving a, a important presentation in front of important people, particularly if I was giving a presentation in front of people who had paid to hear me speak, I would always, always, always want to physically connect into the display system that I was, I was um, presenting with. Now, recent versions of Apple TV have actually gained the ability to do direct AirPlay between an iOS device and the Apple TV. And this is something that is a, is a little bit better um, because it means that you're not dependent on somehow getting on the network. And this is a, a particular problem because I, I present in a lot of schools and schools often have very, very, very restricted networks that um, <laughs> this happens a lot. You go into school and they're like, oh, we're going to be an iPad school. We've got an Apple TV for you, but um, you need to just go down to the basement meet the guy with a cape who's our IT guy who will put five certificates on your device and, and supervise it or whatever. And then 
Um, then you can use our Apple TV, and I'm like, no thanks, I'll just pull the plug out and plug in my iPad directly, and that'll be fine. Um, so what some people do, I, I don't do this personally, but what some people do is they actually get an Apple TV, and this works from, I think, the third generation Apple TV onwards, is uh, they travel with an Apple TV, they'll plug in the Apple TV uh, to the presentation display system, and then they will actually just connect directly to the Apple TV over Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And what happens is your iPad or your iPhone and the Apple TV will establish their own private Wi-Fi network so that they can communicate directly without having to go through the local infrastructure. And of course, this also works if you're in a situation where you don't have any infrastructure. You, this literally works uh, even if you are you know, in a country, in a building where there's no Wi-Fi anywhere to be had you can still do an AirPlay presentation between an Apple TV and an iOS device. Uh, and that does work pretty well. But the AirPlay protocol itself is still prone to occasionally dropping off uh, or, or stalling, which is, is something that I'm not absolutely in love with. So Apple TV is nice for it's nice for the home. It's nice for simple networks. It's a little bit unreliable in a complex network situation. So I would always recommend the Lightning to VGA adapter and the Lightning to HDMI adapter and traveling with both of those. The other benefit, of course, to Lightning to HDMI is if you take that with you, I always travel with an HDMI cable as well. You get to your hotel room. Most hotel rooms have got flat screen TVs now. Most of those flat screen TVs have got a spare HDMI connection in the back somewhere. And what you can do is I, I tend to just plug in a cable there and then I can watch any movies that I've got on my iPad. I can watch them on the hotel TV. I can plug in my iPhone to that same connector and play a podcast through the TV speakers in the hotel room. Uh, it's just a nice little travel tip as well is to carry an HDMI cable, carry the lightning to HDMI adapter, and then you can sort of make up your own entertainment in the hotel as well, which is, is great. So once we're, we've created the presentation, once we've connected to the display, what else is left? Well, delivering the presentation, of course. And this is where I've already mentioned the Keynote remote feature inside Keynote, which is, is really powerful. One of the things that people often criticize uh, iOS presentation tools for is that you can't really customize the presenter display. And the presenter display, of course, being the display that you see while everybody else just sees your slides on the big screen. And, and I completely accept and agree with those uh, comments. I think that the more experienced you get with your presentation, the less you really care about that. And my, my practice with presenting is often to do the same or very similar presentations uh, over and over again to different audiences. So I'm kind of doing a presentation that I'm very familiar with and I really don't need the presenter display. But for less experienced speakers, or people who are doing perhaps uh, material that is either not their own or they're doing it for the first time, they're quite dependent on presenter display. I, I can see that there are some things you might want to have on the iOS presenter display that you don't get. And I've certainly filed bugs with Apple to request that they, particularly on the iPad Pro, put more things in there. So you know, on the desktop version of Keynote, you can... Uh, you can drag things around and change their size. If you need a lot of space for notes, you can do that. You can hide. Uh, you can have a, a clock and a duration timer available to you. There are some things like that you can't do in iOS. But for the most part, um, I find it to be certainly workable. There are different options as well. And this is something that maybe some of those complaints are, are motivated by the fact that you, people don't know that you can change the layout. 
but the layouts are kind of set. There's four different layouts you can have, and you can have the current slide, the next slide, current and next, or I think it's next and notes, uh, and where you see the next slide plus your presenter notes and so on. I tend to use current and next most of the time just because uh, that's that's the way I like to work, and I tend to know my slides, and frankly, I rehearse, uh, which more people could do, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it. Um, rehearsal counts for a lot in presentations, and it's something that I find very very, very useful and, and a great benefit to my presenting is just to practice. And I will genuinely practice out loud three, four, five times the same presentation uh, before, particularly before a big presentation, but before most things I will at least practice it once. It is also possible actually, both for Keynote and for PowerPoint, to use your Apple Watch as a remote control. Now, I don't love this because Apple Watch is prone to going to sleep and then is often quite slow to wake up. So it's not really the same thing as having a clicker in your hand, but it can be done in a pinch. Thing to understand about this though, is that the Apple Watch is of course paired to your iPhone, not to your iPad. So you're gonna to want to be presenting from your phone. And this is actually possible too. I mean, I said the word iPad a lot when it comes to, uh, when it comes to presenting from iOS, but you could quite literally rock up there with a VGA adapter and your iPhone and present and not only would it be fine, but nobody would even know. Uh, and that's quite a cool thing to be able to do, I think. Uh, I like I like the minimalism of that. Uh, and you can certainly use your Apple Watch as a remote control for that as well. There are some third-party remote controls that do work with iOS. I don't have any actual brands to recommend right now, uh, but you ha and you have to be careful that these things, essentially what these do is that they simulate a keyboard. And particularly the ones where you plug in a little RF USB dongle into your computer, those are basically like four button keyboards where they get they emulate right arrow, left arrow, and sometimes they've got the they simulate pressing a B to blank the screen and the escape key to stop the presentation and so on. Um, there are ones that work over Bluetooth and they do work with iOS. Um, and the new powered lightning to USB adapter does apparently enable the uh, the use of these RF-based clickers that use a USB dongle as well. I haven't used them myself, but I have heard that that is possible as well. Uh, and then there may be some information online about which particular models work well with iOS. One last little trick for presenting is not to, for to forget that you can use split view on your iPad while you're presenting. And you can, you can use any other app alongside Keynote. Keynote will quite happily squash its operations down into half the screen. And you can bring up any other app you want. Some examples, let's say you wanted to make an audio recording of your presentation, you could bring up an app like Ferrite or Voice Notes, and you could be recording on your iPad while you're presenting on the other side. If you have other notes in a different app, say those notes that I talked about making Notability, I could bring them up side by side with my presentation if I wanted to, or a Word document, or even if you can cope with this, you could bring up a Twitter client and keep monitoring the back channel of your conference while you're presenting. I strongly don't recommend you do that, both for your concentration and for your mental health, but it is in principle possible that you could do that as well. The last thing you're going to want to do when sh when presenting from iOS is sharing presentations. And 
there is we've mentioned before uh, on uh, on this show how to use workflow to force the use of open in from the microsoft applications uh, and we'll i'll put a link to the workflow presentation uh, or sorry the workflow workflow still haven't got a good name for that the workflow uh, that enables you to go through the essentially you go through the path to email a pdf of your powerpoint presentation and then you use workflow to do an open in and you could open it in another application such as say itunes u for example or google drive keynote supports native sharing as either keynote's native format it can convert to powerpoint or it can share as pdf as well and those are some of the ways in which you can share your presentation. You can also try and um, upload them to various web services. Slideshare.net is somewhere that can take uh, both Keynote and PowerPoint files, I believe, uh, and certainly PDFs as well of your slides and share them with other people online as well. So that just about wraps up everything I know and love about uh, creating presentations with iOS. It's something that I've been doing for years now, and I can honestly say... I have never run into a technical problem presenting from iOS. Um, as long as you bring your own adapter, I wouldn't rely on people to have these iOS adapters. Uh, you should buy them and you should bring them yourself. I know they're quite expensive, but uh, they are. it's worthwhile having the real thing with you. Um, I've never met a presentation system that wouldn't talk to my iPad. Uh, that's that seems to be a thing of the past now. When we used to present from Max, it was always, you know, the, the guy with the cape would always suck in through his teeth like, you've got a Mac. I can't believe you brought a Mac to our sacred institution of learning where we always use PCs. Um, those days have fortunately gone in the fact of, you know, people, so many people having iPhones now has kind of opened the door for many of these other things. It's a way that I love working. I, I, I find that since since iOS 9, since split screen, since um, Keynote supports, you know, being halved and, and being smaller, um, I really, really, really like working in this way. And that workflow that I talked about earlier with uh, Notability, Safari and Keynote all together makes a really nice presentation production workflow. And it's something that I would recommend to everybody. It's uh, particularly if you're making simple presentations, and I think I would strongly recommend that the simpler the presentation you can make, probably the better overall. Uh, it's a really, really nice way to work, and it's certainly possible uh, even from your iPhone. Uh, so we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back together, hopefully Federico and I. You can find the show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas slash nine. You can connect with the show on Twitter. The show is underscore canvas FM. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. My blog is spears.org. Federico is Vitici at on Twitter, V-I-T-C-C-I. And his website, of course, is maxstories.net. And we'll see you next time.